Hi, I'm Steve Barlow. This is the Humanized Workforce Future You podcast, where we talk about perceptions of the future, issues we need to be aware of, and their role in a rapidly changing work and life environment. Hi, I'm Craig Saffin. Day by day, we are all learning to live with the impact technology, AI, and changing health and social conditions have on our lives. The Humanized Workforce Future You podcast series thinks the future is bright and something to look forward to. Today's guest is Mark Jones. Mark trained as an architect before running his own architecture business. He then moved to an academic position at the University of New South Wales, where he teaches in the design school in the Faculty of Arts, Architecture and Design. His passion has always been architecture and he loves the academic piece because he can do research in his passion areas. Let's hear what Mark has to say about Humanised Workforce Future You. Welcome to the Humanised Workforce Future You podcast. My name's Steve Barlow. We're joined today by Mark Jones. So welcome, Mark. Thanks. Nice to be here. Mark, do you want to tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are and the kind of work you do? Yeah, look, um, I trained as an architect. Um many years ago and have practiced in my own architectural practice for many, many years. And in 2015, I joined the University of New South Wales as an academic, so a bit of a sea change. Um, I teach in the School of Design in the Faculty of Arts, Architecture and Design at UNSW. I'm a design historian, so I also do research around um, design history, Uh, from Australian design history through to um, Scandinavian design history, which is a bit of a specialisation of mine. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. So so, uh, in amongst that, what would you say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what would you say your your passion is? Where where does your passion really lie that drives all of this? So my passion was always architecture, um, which is another reason for moving into academia because um, having a job that's a passion can be sometimes a little bit troublesome and by being an academic you know I can do research around things that um, I'm really interested in and and that is you know design and and pretty much the design of um, things that we have in our homes and the way that we live uh, are something that's really uh, yeah yeah, my other passion. So with with the changes that are going on in our community and how people are working and interacting with each other what are are some of the areas that you're noticing that are changing in uh, in your um, workspace? So I I think for me, um, the big change is obviously working from home. I mean, Mm. you know, as an architectural practitioner, you know, I work from home for a period out of choice, Mm. um, not by design. And and I think that's a very important point to make that, you know, most of us have been working from home, not by design, but Mm. because we had to. Mm. Um, Obviously, in the education um, sector, online uh, teaching has become a thing that we never thought we would do, particularly in um, areas that, you know, I'm involved in, which is design, where we have studio courses. No one ever thought we'd be able to teach things like ceramics and jewellery and uh, making online, but we've managed to do it. How does it change? Or what are the skills you need to be able to deliver programs like that online rather than being in a, a lab? Like if you're doing jewellery, then normally we would have had ovens and things like that in the classroom. And now, um, I don't know, forges and things like that. But now how do you do it online? What's the, what are the reasons? Yeah, so that there's been a been a shift, I guess, from, um, you know, those, those skills that you get in a workshop 
have had to kind of be put on the back burner. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's the principles of, of design processes and mm. students are, I mean, young people are really um, being creative during, you know, the pandemic over the last two years in mm. being able to kind of find things in their homes that they can work with to, you know, create prototypes. So, so I guess um, we've gone from producing, you know, finished products to actually having prototypes as outcomes or kind of ideas for things. And, and so okay. that's been a, a big shift. Yes. Yeah, because not everyone can have a uh, like a jewellery making workshop or something like that in their home, can they? Especially if No, that's right. That's right. And, and, and I think, you know, the other thing, I mean, during the, um, the pandemic in 2020, we were doing a big house renovation at home, adding a first floor. So for me, working from home during that made me think differently about the way that I design spaces. Um, the importance of having doors, you know, one likes open plan living, but doors are really important when you've got <laughs> other people on Teams and Zoom in the house. Well, something that uh, has surprised me, um, I don't think it's necessarily a surprise, going to be a surprise for you, but all of the interviews we've been doing, uh, something that's come up is the rise of creativity and uh and this sort of uh, requirement to be innovative and so on at work and people studying arts courses and things like this to, to increase their creative capability. Have you found that uh, the pandemic has people's interest in, in creativity and design? Definitely. I mean, we've all had more time in our homes than we've ever had before. So people have kind of picked up things that they may not have had time for before because they can't go out or they couldn't go out. So, yeah, creativity, but but also, you know, for everyone in the workforce in every sector has had to be creative about the way that they work. So, you know, in terms of engaging with technology that we're not necessarily used to, um, from thinking about the way that we, you know, we set up our home workspace. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the creators of all the um, platforms like Zoom and, and that have thought about the, the kind of issues that people have of, you know, having to work from their bedroom. So you don't want to see an unmade bed in the background. So they've created all these great backgrounds that we can put up. Yes, right. But, yeah, look, we've, you know, I was just before this talking to my head of school um, and we were just discussing how we had a great year last year. You oh. know, we didn't lose enrolment numbers, wow. that sort of okay. thing. <laughs> so it just shows that people are still interested in creative endeavours and, Definitely, we've had to. We've all had to be more creative. I mean, you just look at Instagram and the number of people that are making bread, you know, from sourdough starter. Yeah, sure. everyone's being creative in some way, and it's come out of a, you know, a, a adversity in many ways. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? It's amazing how people have pivoted so quickly. And you mentioned Zoom and all that sort of stuff. All that stuff has really changed within a matter of months and weeks, hasn't it? So, so um, I wanted to ask you about the uh, about leadership. So in this new environment you're, you're talking about and the requirement for creativity and and how people can do just about anything remotely now, which is uh, with, with some limitations, as you described, but still uh, a lot is being done. What sort of leadership that is required? Because you've been a leader of a business and also you, you work as a leader and also have leaders that you work with in the university sector. So what are you noticing about the changes and the requirements for leaders now? Yeah, so I, I think the biggest change has been the kind of interpersonal relationships. So, um, you know, screen-based work is not the same as being in a space as people. 
Mm. Um, I think leadership, you know, if, if I think about the experience in leadership at the university, it, it's been very different because there's more check-ins with people to kind of, um, and our well-being's become a really big thing during mm. this. Um, so I think leaders need to be more acutely aware of their workforces or their teams mm. and understanding the challenges that everyone's having. You know, I, I don't need to mention homeschooling. There's been lots of talk mm. about that in the press. But, you know, the other thing that leaders have had to acknowledge is that there is a change to the way that we work and, you know, flexible work arrangements are now becoming policies across all sectors. Um, I know University of New South Wales has just released, a, you know, a flexible work strategy. And, you know, it's a thing. We have staff that are working interstate. So that creates challenges as I said, for the, the kind of personal interactions, those corridor conversations that we all value so much um, don't happen. And there's also kind of a great deal of fatigue in the workforce as well, because people are, uh, rather than having 15 minutes or half an hour between meetings, they're back to back because it's all online and, you know, you're sitting in the same room all day. So there's a lot of those sorts of things that have been important and having a very clear um kind of mission for, for what we want to achieve, but also acknowledging that we're not necessarily going to be able to achieve what we could achieve mm. in this very different digital context. Right. So re, so I'm hearing there what you're saying is that there needs to be that concern for the whole person along the mental health issues, but all, um, well-being is probably a better term. And, and then also um, taking a bit more time just having a clear mission so that people understand what you're doing. Is that, would that accurately? Yeah. And, and also, I mean, you know, the, the work environment is a very specific environment where, for instance, I, you know, I've been going back to campus a few days a week for the last few weeks to have some concentrated workspace because when oh. you're at home, you're distracted. Yeah. You know, there's lots of other things you can put on a load of washing. You can think about, you know, putting something on for dinner. Um, so not to say that people are not working as much as they are, they're just working differently. And so I think there needs to be some acknowledgement that people can work differently and they can still be as effective and, um, and efficient in different ways. What, do you, what have you noticed about the boundaries then between that personal life and the work life uh, when you, you're dealing with students or when you're dealing with um, employees or whatever it is? What do you think has changed there? Because it, it used to, like we've had a lot of issues about people being too personal and so on, but it, you can't avoid it now when, you know, grandkids and dogs join meetings and things like that. So Yeah, so you, you've got to acknowledge that, you know, someone's... Um, Four-year-old's going to jump on their lap during the meeting. You know, you get to know everyone's dogs and cats. Um, but there's also, you know, the kind of camera hesitancy that, you know, people are, are, are quite rightly, I think, protective of their privacy of their domestic arrangements. Yes. But we've seen instances of, you know, students in classes and, you know, then suddenly their partner gets out of bed stark naked in the background. You know, so th th there's kind of all these very blurry boundaries now between um, work and, uh, and home. And I, I think the, the upside is that, you know, all the kind of multitasking that we can do with the domestic chores around work, but the downside is that the, the working at, the, you know, the working week bl blurs into or kind of, you know, melds into our personal time. So I think uh, we need to be a little more strict about those sorts of things. 
Yeah, it's interesting, mm. isn't it? It's, it's hard to get that balance and to learn how the, uh, to be product, productive. I was talking to someone earlier this week, who's uh, saved four hours a day by not having to come into the office. So uh, that's a hell of a lot of time in any day, isn't it? Can I, uh, can I ask you something that you may have a perspective on um, and probably know a lot about, and that is the um, office space. You know, there's a lot of mm. office space in Sydney that's vacant and, um, and uh, they're still building it. So... I um I wanted to know what is the um what do you think of the what's going to happen to the cities that where we've got all this office space and uh it's not necessarily going to be fully utilized was it like it was in the past and even if it is then probably people will be sitting further apart from each other so what what is your perspective on yeah that? so I mean clearly um you know the the development of office space has to change because um you know people can and will move uh, work flexibly um there was a big kind of push to hot desking and open plan offices and, you know, um, we even started to dabble in that at the university, um, which surprised me because the research suggests that those sorts of spaces are not as productive and the pandemic has certainly shown us that we actually need, you know, it's what I was saying before about having doors is important. So I think um, the way that I can see office spaces working is, you know, the, the there'll be people that will work a few days a week, we'll be sharing offices with, you know, it won't be our office, we'll be sharing it with somebody else. Right. You know, be, um, maybe five days on a fortnight, those sorts of things. So I think the need for these vast um, office, you know, buildings is going to change. Mm. And certainly um, we've all learnt that we don't actually need to travel to other people's offices to have meetings and to get work done perhaps that there's there's going to be less need for those fancy you know expensive multi-million dollar fit outs in office buildings in order to um, you know do what we need to do mm. will there be a requirement for repurposing do you think yeah look we've seen it before um, you know we've seen office buildings particularly in Sydney CBD uh, I can think of a few examples down the business end of town that you know over my life as an architect, have gone from office building to apartment building back to office building and we'll probably go back to apartment building sure. at the end of all of this so yeah definitely um repurposing them you know companies sharing spaces which is something that happens ironically in the architectural profession you know people rent out desks in their uh, in their offices yeah. um so yeah there'll be much more flexibility and and less reliance, I think, on, you know, these flagship um, office buildings. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think uh, any, Sydney's really starting to develop that way, isn't it? You can walk down any street in the city and you, you're not sure if you're outside an apartment block or, or an office block or something. So it's uh, already started to change like you're describing. And that, that's a good thing too because, um, you know, you may remember 20 years ago, Sydney CBD was a bit of a dead zone on yes, the weekends. And now that we've got apartment buildings as part of that, it becomes much more vibrant, which is a good thing. Yes, it does, yeah. So finally, I'd like to ask you, uh, you're an educator and you're working with uh, young professionals as well as adults, of course. But uh, can I ask you, uh, what, what is the advice you have for young graduates that, um, that are coming out of school and they want to craft out a career in design or creativity a creative space or or architecture so what is the advice you would have for them starting out in a career um look I, I i reckon any training in a creative field is a good training to have because you get lots of transferable skills that you can use across a range of industries i mean i'm very glad that i trained as an architect because it it taught me a lot about 
planning and organization and you know there's that thing called design thinking that everybody talks about as well so you know i would say always pursue a creative career i think creative jobs are going to become more important mm-hmm. in the future well they already are because yeah. you know we look at banks and and you know financial institutions that have design departments these days who would have thought about that designing customer experience and those sorts yeah. of things so yeah, so creativity um, is always a, a good asset to have, and certainly it's great to have a qualification in that as a graduate. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that um, the UX is a real job these days, isn't it? So it uh, certainly is. Yes, uh, it wasn't necessarily ten or fifteen years ago. So yeah. yeah. So I might just uh, uh, pull this together, Mark, and uh, and just make a bit of a summary here. Yep. You've got a, a background in architecture, in design, and and planning, and and creativity. So the world has changed and uh, we really need to design a new kind of way of being in the world. We need to come up with a new design, a new plan uh, and use creativity to uh, uh, navigate some of these changes. And uh, part of that is, um, is, is understanding what stays the same. And uh, some things stay the same. And, and you said a couple of times having doors is important. So maybe we need to even revisit some older ideas that we've kind of moved away from, that there may be value there. But there's also uh, the need to to think differently and to uh, see things in different ways, in new ways, and to be creative about how we see them, be creative about how we solve problems, creative in the way that we approach things, looking for new ways of doing things that are more in in line with the requirements of our time. And, uh, and then the, th- the third thing I, I heard you say was about outcomes. Um, we may not get the same outcomes as we had in the past. We may be able to achieve different things. And sometimes those things might actually be better things. And sometimes they, they might just require a readjustment in our expectations um, as to what we can achieve. But, um, yeah, so it's all about creativity and designing and thinking things through and thinking differently. So Absolutely. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did during the pandemic. We just didn't realise that's what we were doing. No. Yes, 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 gotcha, yep. Yeah, a lot of stuff was just, uh, just expected, wasn't it, and people just get on and, on and did it. But it, actually, when you look back, there's a dramatic change, hasn't it? Dramatic change, and it just shows how resilient people are yeah, in true. terms of okay we've got to adapt to this you know humans are incredibly adaptable people you yeah. know we, we 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 just yeah we did it yeah thanks very much that's a very positive yeah, note very on, Mark. thanks thanks Mark. okay thank, thank you. you thanks for listening to this podcast of humanized workforce future you please leave a rating or review for the series on the medium where you source your podcasts The transcripts for today's podcast can be found on craigsaffin.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-P-H-I-N.com. Please subscribe to the series so you don't miss out on the interviews or the future podcasts.